I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. So, a couple of weeks ago, I saw Representative Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio's 4th Congressional District, say something on TV that I feel I see our politicians say all the time and I never believe. Call me. Representative Jordan was reacting to something that had been written about him, something he said was flat out wrong. If you want to know what I think, he said, just ask me. So I did. And Representative Jordan kept his word. This podcast is the result. Specifically, I wanted to ask the Freedom Caucus congressman about two main issues, the budget and tax reform plans. I wanted to ask him about Republican leadership and any tensions within the Republican Party. And given the Las Vegas tragedy, I wanted to ask him about that, too. Not to have a gun control debate, that's for another podcast, but to ask him the straightforward question that's on my mind and, I'm sure, on the minds of many others. Is there any role government can play in helping prevent the proliferation of these mass murders? Representative Jordan took on all of my questions, which I guess is what one should expect from a two-time NCAA wrestling champion, a fellow who won one of his titles by defeating a future two-time U.S. Olympic gold medalist and four-time world champion. Before we begin, though, I want to repeat an ask that I've been making on these podcasts. I hope you like these conversations, and if so, I'd appreciate if you'd take a moment, go to iTunes, and if you're so moved, leave a five-star review. The ratings really matter. As always, though, if you don't like the conversations, well, please forget I ever mentioned it. That's it. Here's my conversation with Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio. Representative Jordan, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate your time. Yeah, Matt, thank you. Thank you. I know we're going to talk about uh, the budget and about tax reform, but I'd like to start with Las Vegas. It's the tragedy that's mm. on all of our minds. It sure is. Um, we're all looking for answers, um, and, and we're looking for help. Um, and and I, I know, Lisa, I'm sure you have a, a comment for the, uh, you know, for the victims and for the first responders, mm-hmm. and, and I would like to hear that. Um, I'd also yeah. like to hear, you know, from a policy point of view, um, is there any role government can play in helping prevent the proliferation of these mass murders? You, you know, um, you're, you're right. This was, uh, this was, I mean, there's, you, you, it's shocking. It was horrific. It was evil at its, at its worst. Um, and obviously we need to get all the facts. I think we, I've learned more today about, you know, what, what kind of weapon it was and how he had modified it and different things that, that we didn't know yesterday. So I think, you know, facts are still coming in <clears throat> and you're right. Um, I think today is, um, you know, a day to grieve with the families who've lost a loved ones and those who are, uh, injured and fighting for their lives and, and obviously to uh, take time and pray for everyone impacted by this, this, this terrible thing. So I think that's first and foremost, I think policy, you know, concerns will come later, but um, I, I'm not sure there's a whole lot, um, you know, government can do other than um, if, if people, if this was because this guy had like suddenly, Develop some mental illness and done something this terrible or, or what? Uh, there's there's things we can do that can be helpful, uh, dealing with uh, with that. I think, but um, you, you just never know. And look, look in a in a in a. You, I don't know that this this kind of crazy stuff can 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 ever truly totally be stopped. Uh, you just hope that it uh, just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, but I don't know the government can can you know their actions can can prevent it i guess is probably the, the way to say it it seems to be where you know to the extent that that there is policy discussion and i you know i know that a lot of folks have felt that you know let's you know wanted to give it a 
day or two. And there are people who feel like that's not the right thing to do that, you know, let's get into, mm-hmm. you know, but, but regardless of that, once you get past the, you know, obviously gun control becomes a, an immediate discussion and, and this is not a gun control yeah. discussion. Um, it, there does seem to be some question around, well, is this something that government can even do anything about? There are people who have raised, you know, you know, Kentucky governor, Matt Bevin said, you know, you can't regulate evil. Um, and, uh, there was another quote about, uh, you know, that, you know, part of the price of, of the freedoms that we want. And so I get that was the question that kind of really came to my mind yeah. is just, is yeah. there, is there any role government can play? I, I mean, look, I think evil people uh, are going to break the law because they're evil. I always, I always say bad, uh, you know, bad people, uh, do bad things and they're not, they're not, uh, constrained by what is, what is right and what is lawful, uh, because they're bad people. I mean, they're, they're going to do evil things, bad things, uh, and if the law says you can't do something that I, I don't know if that's going to stop someone who's, who's, who can, who can do what this guy did. Um, so, um, you know, governor Bevin is, uh, I think, uh, accurate when he says, you know, when, when he, when he makes that statement about people, when they're evil, they're evil. And you can't, you can't necessarily write a law that's going to stop people from doing something this, this, this wrong. Um, what I do know is uh, the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment, and uh, the Constitution is the Constitution, and we should, um, you know, we need to respect that. And as we move forward, um, uh, and, and understand that the, the founders, in their wisdom, put together an amazing, um, amazing set of principles and rules that um, that have made us the greatest, that have helped make us the greatest country in, in history. And I think you, uh, we need to recognize that as we. Uh, as we have these policy debates, understood. And 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 again, it's not uh, it's not a, a gun control discussion. You know, we could. I'm sure you'd be happy to have mm-hmm. one of those another time. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, but but uh, did want did want to get uh, you know yeah. that question of, of government's role. So sure. so uh, the the budget and taxes. Um, there, there are two yep. areas around the budget and the tax plan proposal um, that I'd like your views on. Um, you've written about both of them: uh, secrecy mm-hmm. and the deficit. Um, and let's start yeah. with the secrecy part. You, you wrote a really clear and, and fairly aggressive op-ed a couple of weeks ago in the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. It's the one you wrote with uh, uh, Representative Meadows, Mark Meadows. And you argued that part mm-hmm. of the problem with the health care reform failures was secrecy. You're, you know, no real yeah. amendment process you wrote, no witness testimony. And now you said the same play is being run with tax reform. And you had that metaphor, uh, the analogy comparing yeah. it to the car salesman who shows you the picture yeah. of a car and demands a non-refundable down payment. Now, you know, you're a Republican. The leadership is Republican. Why the secrecy? Do you feel? Well, we we learned some things last week, and this is what we were pushing for. Uh, until last week, we didn't even know the rate. Yeah. Like you know, until last Wednesday, no one could say what the corporate rate was going to be. No one knew what the small business rate. No one knew on the personal side what those rates were going to be. What the repatriation rate was going to be. So we, we said, look, there's some fundamental questions that have to be answered before we're going to open the gate. And the way this the way to view this is uh, the budget is the gate to get you the vehicle to actually implement tax reform. And once you open the gate, it's tough to put the horse back in the barn, to, I guess, the mixed metaphors. Um, so we said we're not going to open the gate until we know something. Uh, and why not start with the basics? What are the rates going to be? And finally, last week, we learned. So we have agreed to now move forward. But up until then, we had been saying we're not voting for this budget because, frankly, and, and we point this out in the piece, as you, as you uh, recognize, the, um, we did this on health care where we passed a budget at the start of this Congress 
to create this this thing called reconciliation that we were going to do healthcare re- repeal and replace on. And we all thought that we were going to do the same legislation we voted on last Congress. The same bill we put on then President Obama's desk, we thought we would put on President Trump's desk and obviously get a different outcome. But that's not what happened. Our leadership rolled out some bill that none of us had ever seen. And we're like, whoa, wait, 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 what is this? This is not what we planned on. This is not what we had done before. And so our attitude was, and we saw what's unfolded over the last nine months and what ultimately in the Senate not getting anything done. So, you know, hey, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We're not going that route. And um, we got to know at least a few more specifics uh, before we went for the budget. We agreed after what we heard last week. But still, frankly, we need to know the income levels. We know the rates on the personal side are going to be uh, 12, 25, and 35, but, but at what levels do those, those kick in? What income levels? And, and we know we're going to double the standard deduction, but there are lots of other questions. So we need to get that information out there as well. I don't know why. seems to me in nine months, um, and, you know, nine months, jeepers, you can, you know, the Cleveland Indians can have 10 winning streaks of 22 games, uh, but you can't, you can't, you can't put together some specifics on the tax bill from, from the Ways and Means Committee. So that's, that's the concern we had. We're starting to move in the right direction, but we'll see how it plays out in the next few weeks. Yeah, and I understand your point, but I just got to point out I'm a, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. So if the if the Indians go on a 22 <laughs> and a, and a 16 game streak, whatever it would be right now, I'm I'm in trouble. So yeah. I, I I hear yeah. your point, but but maybe we can get a different uh, analogy going forward if you if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> well, maybe the Cubs and Indians again. It, it could be. That. It could be. And and you know Indians have been looking good. No no doubt. Um, on that strategy. Um, does it surprise you, and and is it is it potentially creating an issue within the Republican Party? I mean, I've seen you talk about this. You were on Morning Joe a couple of weeks ago, I think, probably right after that uh, op-ed. And and is is the secrecy again? You know, your word that that the that the leadership is using almost, I think, as a strategy. You'll correct me if you think that I'm characterizing it wrongly. Um, it, 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 does it surprise you, and does it? Were you at all about what about tension within the Republican Party itself? No. What concerns me is, and I, I say this all the time, I think we make this job too much too difficult. The job's pretty basic, pretty darn basic. What did you tell the voters you were going to do when they gave you the privilege to serve, when they elected you? And then get here and focus on getting that done. So we didn't tell them we were going to do some 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 tax reform bill that favored big corporations but hurt middle-class families. We didn't tell them that we were going to, you know, not get done the health care reform. We, in fact, we've won several elections on repealing Obamacare. So our focus should be real simple. We told them we were going to cut their taxes, let them keep more of their money. We told them we were going to design a tax code that was going to be conducive to producing economic growth. We told them we were going to do a tax code that, was, that simplified the code. So those should be the three broad criteria. Does it let people keep more of their money? Does it simplify the tax code? And will it produce jobs and, and, and economic growth? And if it does that, we should we should be pushing forward. So we, we, that's what we have to focus on, not you know if it's if it's secret or not. Um, I, I'm not sure why we don't have the information, all the information yet. I will give them. Uh, um, I do understand, I guess, uh, that it's not easy. I mean, we got a complicated tax code and some of these tax credits and deductions have been in there for good reason and for a long time. And to try to change those and, and maybe in some cases do away with them is, is certainly not going to be easy. So I, I know it doesn't happen overnight, but for goodness sake, let's get going. And we felt, as I said before, at a minimum, before we started the, 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 the first step in the process, 
we should at least know something about what the second step's going to look like. And that's, that's why we took the position we did. And frankly, I think we prevailed. We got him to give us the rates. Uh, last week, which was a huge step in uh, in the right direction. Uh, on this idea of, you know, tell the voters what you're going to do and, and then go and do your darndest to go do it. Um, did Mick Mulvaney change his mind? You saw the quote from the budget director and, and former Freedom Caucus member. I mean, he's quoted today um, that we need to have new deficits. We need to have the growth. Uh, if we simply look at this as being deficit neutral, you're never going to have the, get the type of tax reform and tax reductions that you need to get to sustain three percent economic growth. Um, are, are you did did he changed it? And, and are you comfortable no, with not that? In and, and are you co- no, I'm, I'm, what's I'm totally your, comfortable with that? Yeah, and, and, and I would say, Chris, that's not a change of mind at all. That's, that's consistent with Republican principles and conservative principles. Since when did we say you had to do tax reform in a revenue-neutral way? Since when did we say allowing you to keep more of your money was somehow a cost to the government? I don't view it that way. I, don't, I just don't adopt that premise. I think letting you keep your money is just that, letting you keep your money. So let's design a tax code that does three things, the three things I said before. Let you keep more of your money. Let families keep more of their hard-earned cash to spend on their kids and their grandkids and their goals, their dreams. Let's simplify the tax code, and let's create a tax code, as Mr. Mulvaney's pointed out, that produces economic growth. You have to have growth to get to a growth level of 3 3 3.5%. You you have to have economic growth to to get to a level of of GDP growth uh, that will even give you a chance to deal with a debt of of the size of $20 trillion. So growth is critical. And then when you've done that, maybe Republicans should actually be Republicans and cut spending elsewhere in the budget. I mean, after all, that's what we're supposed to believe in. That's what we have on our platform, and that's what we campaign on. So let's do those things. So, yeah, this revenue-neutral world that some want to talk about here was, is, a, is a fancy way and a, and a Washington-speak way of saying the tax burden stays the same. We just shift around who pays what. And in that scenario, who always wins are the big corporate interests and who always loses are middle class families. And I'm just I'm just not interested. in that. Yeah. And I, I, I want to ask you about that, because some of the concern about the tax plan and, and, and I know the numbers are changing or, or I know the numbers are not fully known. And, and you've pointed that out. So so things could change. But some of the some of the questions are around, is it giving too much to the wealthy and is there is there too much on the, on the corporate side? But just very fast follow up on, on that last point. Yeah. Wasn't the whole budget deficit thing, though? And, and wasn't that part of when, when you came into office and, and some of the arguments against uh, Speaker Boehner and certainly, you know, with President Obama, wasn't wasn't, you know, maintaining, you know, budget deficit neutral. It wasn't that kind of central to the Freedom Caucus. Yeah, on the spending side, what you what you did see in those debates is there, there was a, there, there was it was all about how, what level we're going to spend at. And look, I helped put together. uh early when I first got to Congress, I, I put together then the only balance, bu- bu- the, the only budget that got to balance when I was at the, uh, at the privilege of chairing the Republican study committee. So yeah, but that's on the spending side of the equation. We're talking on the revenue side here. We're talking on allowing families to keep more of their money to get stronger economic growth. And every time that's tried, every time you, for, for example, every time the capital gains tax has been cut, every time you re- you've lowered taxes overall on families and business, it ultimately leads to stronger economic growth and more uh, more dollars coming to the Treasury. Now, it takes time. There's a lag there, but it takes time, and it does happen, and you get additional revenue to the Treasury. So you have stronger economic growth. 
Okay, and and I know that the the growth is where uh, many people is where the the administration thinks, and I guess maybe you're saying as well, and you'll correct me if I have it wrong. Yep. The growth is where that that gap you believe that gap will get closed, and obviously you know there are many people who argue, wait, there's you know we're not going to necessarily yeah, it won't, get that it, it won't, you, you will you won't it won't close right away, no doubt about it. You're 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 going to take a dip early on, but over time, I believe you get with with stronger. Uh, growth with higher GDP, with more job creation, you do obviously get additional revenue coming to the Treasury. It happened in the 60s. It happened in the 80s. Uh, I think it can happen again now. And, and just to close out, because I, I, I do want to be sensitive to your time, um, uh, in terms of the substance of the tax plan, and, and the, it's been characterized by many, you, as you know, as a, as a giveaway to the wealthy. You saw Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and uh, White House uh, Economic Advisor Gary Cohn stumble a bit over the weekend uh, about whether the tax plan will indeed deliver um, a universal tax cut for the middle class. You've just been talking to me about uh, you know how important it is to protect uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Money back to. Do you believe it will deliver that universal tax cut? And and is that a requirement for the Freedom Caucus, or is that putting it too strongly? I do, I do, I do believe it will. Uh, now, like it's like we've said uh, uh, earlier in, the, in our conversation, um, you know, we haven't got all the details yet, so you can't officially kind of score it all out the average taxpayer who enters their current income level and what's going to happen and what their tax burden is now and what it will be under the new plan. You can't really do all that yet because we don't have all the details. But what we do know is the we've been told the alternative minimum tax is going away. That's going to help some uh, some middle middle class families who have who've had to pay that. Now that's you know more upper end of the middle class, but um, that that's a, I think a bad policy. Like oh you didn't pay enough under the regular code, so we're going to have this new thing kick in, and you, so we can guarantee you pay some more taxes. I don't think that's that's you know I'm mean, that's a good tax policy. So I do think for for uh, families though they're going to be able to keep more of their money to spend on their kids, their goals, their dreams. Um, and I do think lowering the corporate rate and the small business rate is certainly economists will tell you that more than anything is what will. Uh, propel and, and, and be a catalyst for economic growth. And that helps everybody. Economic growth helps every single family out there working who've seen stagnant wages and rising health care costs. You want economic growth to help those, those hardworking uh, families who, who, haven't, who haven't seen the kind of wage growth that they, uh, that they deserve. Thank you. Um, and I should have you know, I, I, I reached out to your office when I saw you You were on, uh, it was on that Morning Joe show, and you, uh, re- mm-hmm. you said something about, uh, I think there had been something written that day, that, and you see, you know, about uh, you or, or the Freedom Caucus versus the, the leadership, and, and you said that that just isn't true. And I, you know, if, and I, I'm willing to yeah. talk about, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I saw that and I said, well, you know what, this, this, fellow, uh, said, this fellow says he's willing to talk about it, and I'm going to uh, give him a try. And, uh, and you did. <laughs> well, I'm glad and, you did. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. It, it's still, is it still true? Is is it good still between uh, the Freedom Caucus and, and the House leadership? Is there is, it, is that still oh, yeah, good? You know, it's fine. It's fine. I think my comment, probably the one you may be referring to, is the Wall Street Journal had written something that just was not accurate. Yeah. And I said, you, you know, look, in, in, instead of writing things that just aren't, just aren't true, why don't you just call me up? <laughs> I'd be happy to talk to Mr. Jago, Mr. Henninger, anyone on the Wall Street Journal editorial page. I mean, I've talked to some, but I haven't talked to those two. Uh, and certainly not Mr. Jago, this entire Congress. I've talked to him before, but not this Congress. So just call me up. And uh, you said, uh, well, look, I'll, I'll call you up. And uh, so I'm glad you did. And I've got to have a little bit of the air today. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time, sir. 
You bet, Chris. Take care. That was my conversation with Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio. My thanks to Congressman Jordan for his time and you for listening. I'm Chris Reback. I'll talk with you again soon. Mm-hmm.